Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC, and Beckett Media. Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. This is an outtake episode, a few minutes from the interview of me on uh, personal rips and hobby chat with Ken Kinsley and Herman Bryant had a good time. That was an hour show. This is a few minutes of it. Highly recommend you just go. They have a good time. It's very informal. Thanks, guys, for having me on and keep up the good work. Here it is. What cards did you see at the National that you hadn't seen before? I bought everything I saw that I'd never seen before. That's a simple but profound <laughs> answer. But I only looked in the dollar box. So there's a limit to how much damage you can do. But I'm always looking for things I haven't seen. If you spend time looking at the expensive candy, you're liable to buy some. So I stay in my lane now. I'm looking for more obscure things I just normally wouldn't see. Most of the cards are from the 90s or the 2000s or the 2010s. I wasn't a kid then. And there's so many cards, so many variations in serial inserts. I'm still learning. So, yeah, I bought everything I saw that I'd never seen before. Dr. Beckett is still learning the rest of us. What hopes do we have with everything you've seen? Come and catch me. I'm moving slower than I used to. But so am I. <laughs> but it depends on how you define your lane. When I was doing price guides in all the sports, I was spread really too thin. But if you just concentrate on baseball and concentrate on a team, you can be really knowledgeable. That's why the, your personal collection ought to be things you don't have to look up on eBay for every little thing because you just know, because you're in tune with it. The, the span of knowledge you have can broaden or deepen the more experience, the older you get. I just I had the benefit of being around a long time ago. You know exactly what you said about staying in your lane. Like I've walked away from most of the sports other than auto racing. Okay, Ken, question for you. Who are you a fan of? I do know that you're not a fan of Panini, but who are you a fan of? Are you a fan of Tops? Are you a fan of Upper Deck? Which companies do you give the highest marks? I personally would say Upper Deck, but that being said, I also have to acknowledge that A, I haven't collected hockey in about three or four years now, and I don't know how their customer service and their social media interaction is now that Chris Carlin has left, because he was fantastic. I wrote on my website, I wrote a post that was not very flattering of a decision the company made. And he reached out to me. We had a 15-minute phone conversation. Everything was great. And that's the kind of thing that makes me personally a fan. Because when I'm saying fan, I'm talking about customer interaction because I'm not yeah. anything else. Yeah, I sell on eBay a little bit, but I'm not a retailer. I'm a customer. I'm a consumer. But gotten away from hockey the last few years, I haven't had any interaction with them. I know that Tops and Panini, their interaction with customers leaves a lot to be desired. Okay. There's a way to look at this, Ken, and see if you follow this line of reasoning. And If I'm upper deck, I'm thinking, since I'm hockey, I have the highest percentage compared to Tops and Panini of passionate collectors of my customers. So they hold their customers in high esteem because there's a pretty good chance if somebody's buying hockey cards from from Upper Deck, only game in town, it's a smaller but arguably more passionate group. And so they really need to take care of them. I think Panini, and I'm not making excuses for them, but they have a lot of customers that only care about the latest thing. They only care about flipping something. They're not passionate about the hobby. They just want to make money. And Tops is the standard. They have a lot of casual collectors that all they do is want to want to put together a flagship set, okay? But Upper Deck has passionate collectors 
and they have a sense of community. They really need to take care of us. That'd be a rational reason for Upper Deck to take it more seriously than the others. I agree. Tops has room for improvement. Panini has room for improvement for sure. And going off a little bit of what you said, I fully acknowledge as well that Tops and Panini, however many times the customers just they're, they're bigger, they're bigger, and the licenses they have are just more popular generally across the board. But no, I, yeah, hockey collectors are very passionate. You are absolutely correct about that. You're always in the dollar box, and from what I gather, you always walk away with a pretty sizable stack out of the boxes. How does that play to the 1% reduction you're trying to get to? So my wife gave you that question. I call it subtraction by addition. (laughs) So as I get more cards and put them with the cards I already have, it makes the ones I have more easily sellable. That's my story. (laughs) <laughs> and sticking to it. Okay. I need to write not, that down. I'm not sure, it's, not sure it's working, but I don't like to sell cards. But if I buy cards and then I find out that made a mistake, that really isn't the scarcer variation or something, then I'm now doing a little bit of sales on eBay, a little bit on ComC. So not trying to have all the cards, but but it wouldn't be any fun to go to a card show. And I did that for so many years. I couldn't buy anything. Except for type cards that Rich and I would get. So to limit it, I just buy enough that I can get less than a dollar. I just say, what are your quantity breaks? I try to negotiate that in advance. One guy said, well, I'll work with you. So I don't know what that means. He said, just pick out some and I'm sure I can work it out. I picked out a hundred cards. He said, that'll be $90. So I don't think you're working with me. He said, hey, man, I'm giving you 10% off. I said, I wish you'd have told me that an hour ago. Before you pull out 100 cards. Before I pull out, what am I going to do? Leave them behind? Yeah, and they're worth at least a dollar. I shouldn't complain, except that... So I'm trying to pick out at least 100 cards, guys. Because I don't want to say, hey, it's a dollar box. Here's two cards. Will you take a dollar? That's not fair. So it needs to be enough quantity that they say, hey, I'm a reasonable customer. But also when you're at the National, yeah, if the one seller wants to give you 10% off, but you've got five other sellers that'll give you 30% off or 40% off. That's where you're going to spend your time unless that particular dollar box that he only wants to give you 10% off of is exponentially better. In any case, time's the one thing we can't get more of, even more so at a card show. Okay, here's the other dilemma, guys. This is causing me to think, because I just got back from the National. And so I'm pulling some cards from a dealer I've done business with before, and I get done, and I get this nice stack of cards, and I say, okay, here, it's this many cards. And he goes, what's your price? And I said, well, these are your cards. <laughs> I pulled them out of the dollar box. He said, what did I sell them to you for last year? I, said, well, I don't think I remember. And I think, is this a trick question? If I say something too high, he's going to say, yeah, that was it. Or if I say something too low, he's going to say, you dirty dog. I didn't sell it to you for that cheap. So I thought, I think I remember what he sold him to me for. So I don't like it. I just want to know in advance, if I pull out this many, it's going to be this much and not, I'm going to work with you or it's the same as last time. That's tricky. Yeah, it really is. Because I've been there digging through boxes before and same thing. Like you said, you pull out this big stack and they're like, oh, okay, it'll be this. And I'm like, man, if I'd known that, I'd have spent my time at another table, just kind of like we could be. Yeah, definitely. You get both sides of it, but I take things a lot less seriously. Now I'm semi-retired. So I come out of retirement to go to the card show and now I'm back in retirement. You did a show with Brad about a year ago talking about card stores and a possible co-op model. 
Has your thoughts changed at all on the possibility of LCS co-ops? You're now seeing some chains of shops. There's some stores that are going to have some national marketing muscle. Triple Cards has three or four card shops down here. A Kentucky Roadshow, Jimmy Mahan, that Tracy Hackler went over with. They're on their third or fourth one. So the idea of having a branded card shop, but I think the big elephant in the room is Fanatics. Also, Fanatics is now having lids, a national chain. They're not going to be card shops, but they're going to have boxes of cards in all the lids within the end of the year. Fanatics could be one that would say, if you want to be an authorized store, we're going to have some equity in your store. You're going to get preferred product from us. You're not getting it from GTS or some other distributor because we're going direct to the card shops. And we're going to give preference to card shops that do it our way and that we have a quote-unquote relationship with. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but... Fanatics is really interested in being involved at every level of the... I actually worked in the Lids corporate office for almost a decade. At one point, they had bought a lot of locker room stores, which were like team stores. There were like eight St. Louis Cardinals stores, and then there were like five Cub stores. I think this is big because in that limited amount that we had of cards back then that we were able to buy, those stores did very well with those cards. Exactly. The problem was I actually allocated a lot of those and i kept fighting to get more and yeah it's a little biased because i love cards but i also had numbers to say how fast these are selling now we'll see how it is in the general lit stores because we know the mall traffic is down and we're talking eight years ago but even back then we were not at anything of a card boom like we are now i think that is a big outlet that fanatics is probably if i were to guess is going to do very well with and they're not carrying like just blaster boxes they're actually carrying hobby hobby product yeah They could also use the lid stores as remote distribution points, kind of like Amazon has these remote warehouses. Lids already has a warehouse or some storage facility. So if they've got a couple extra cases that are back there, a local card shop could come into the lids to the back door and say, you can wholesale distribute me another case. Or you order from Fanatics and you pick it up at the lids. I could definitely see that. Again, I don't know the systems. Again, I'm almost a decade removed from there. You would think that with Fanatics, as much as they put into this with the contract, they're going to look at every option, and there you go. They're focusing on two things. They want to increase sales and also increase margins. With some of these moves, they're going to be doing both. They actually could sell more for higher profit. That's why they have such a big valuation. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, pretty optimistic on what they're wanting to do, at least from what we've heard so far. I don't have any insider knowledge that anybody else has. But again, just what you said, another example of things that I hadn't even really thought about, but sound like a very good idea. What do you guys think about these companies that have chief vision officers? (laughs) I want to get that gig. I want to just look out the window. I don't know enough about what those are, but if that is the card guy to the CEO business guy, if they're going to listen to him, then I think that's a good idea. I'd never heard of a chief visionary officer until eight months ago or whatever. If that's the person and they're going to actually listen to what he says, take some of what he says and think about it, then yes, I also want that job. (laughs) Sweet gig. And I will say that I've thought about some of my uh, old Lids people now work at Fanatics in the corporate office that I used to work with. Mickey wanted to know how many uh, Ryan rookies you had because he had saw one back on your wall. Actually, this is one panel of my wall if you're ever over here, and it's one card per player. It's not necessarily the rookie card. It's just a card from each guy. I have other cards, but I don't have that many duplicates. I don't want to have a wall that has a bunch of 
one player, whether they're duplicates or not. But I do have other Ryans. And if somebody comes over and they say, hey, Nolan Ryan's my favorite player, I can say, okay, let's, you want to see some more? And they always say yes, and I could bring them out. But who wants to see a bunch of Nolan Ryan rookies? Actually, I would. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody that knows the value would, but that's not the way I collected. Yeah. I will say, speaking of the card wall, though, y'all, if you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, it's been a while, but he went through. I'm waiting on BGS to do some more because I've got a huge submission in there of stuff. And so then I'll do another volley of those card wall Mm -hmm. videos. Yeah, he was going through and doing the card wall in alphabetical order, and it just be just a few seconds on what the card was, the why it was. It was uh, that was fun. Definitely, it was a fun watch. And as guys my age, Herman's age, we really, we really do look up to you and owe a lot to you. And so it's fun for me to see what you have and what you've accumulated, or in this case, kept over time. As you've said, you buy collections to keep a few, and then it's, whatever it's you do. More and more every year, there's more and more of the reels and the reveals and the visual aspect. So I just thought to describe your collection verbally, if somebody comes on the podcast, they can see other backgrounds. But you're right, Kent, I need to do some new videos because I've got some really interesting cards. I wasn't trying to say you need to do more. I was no, just trying to get everybody to go back and watch them. I'm only up to I, see. I really I'm it. up to... Uh, see him. Oh, is that where? Is yeah. that where? I couldn't remember where it was. I, I, yeah. I didn't think you got all the way to the end, but I couldn't. I, close, and I, I guess I'm waiting. And I'm not negotiating with BGS, but I'm just asking them nicely. Is <laughs> when do you think my cards will be finished? And if I tell them, hey, I've got a lot of people who are waiting for my next video, I don't think that carries a lot of weight. It should, seeing as it's a Dr. Beckett, and everybody <laughs> loves to see what you have. That's free advertising for them. I'll bring that up. Excellent point. Excellent. Thank you. John Keating wants to know if the 92 Rich Klein's on your wall yet. He's already got it on his. It is at BGS as we speak. Funny story about that. I sent it in uh, two years ago, and I waited a year, and it came back inconclusive. (laughs) And I went, inconclusive? What are you talking about? Rich autographed it. And so it went through the authentication process, and they (laughs) said, we don't have an exemplar. I said, come on, guys, this is Uncle Rich. Somebody just bounced it. I said, do I have to do a walkthrough for this? Can I bring Rich with me to say this I signed for my friend Jim? (laughs) So I just wanted in a holder. They're all Beckett holders, obviously. So Rich's card, his rookie card, will be in the next shipment. And when I get up to the K's, 